This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. I'm Carl Jorn, field agronomist for Northwest Indiana and Northeast Illinois. I am joined as always by my colleague and co-host Ben Jacob in Southern Indiana. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well, Carl. How are you? I'm cold and that is the subject of today's conversation. So we have the privilege of being joined by Dr. John Obermeyer of Purdue University. John, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure. Awesome. And so it's cold here it, as well. <laughs> very good. So, John, uh, I'll, I'll give just a brief introduction um, of you and your role, but we'll probably ask you to to give us a little bit of a of a brief in terms of who you are and how you found yourself in uh, in this position. Um, so, for folks on the other ends of these microphones, I got to I got to know uh, Dr. Obermeyer just briefly uh, when I was working at the Diagnostic Training Center for Research and Education at the Purdue Agronomy Farm, uh, just west of West Lafayette, and that would have been a, thinking about it now, John. That's 15 years ago, um, and so and it's, I got it's, pictures. And and yes, you do. And so for folks that may not recognize John's face, you might recognize his name because he probably has more photo credits um, in the world of entomology and pest management, I would have to assume, than anybody on planet Earth, at least when I search for for images of any pest. Uh, it's usually got the, the John Obermeyer watermark on there. So, uh, John, I haven't told anybody what you do yet. You're, you're an extension uh, entomologist. Just by by training, um, fill in any gaps that I left there, but then also fill in folks. What where'd the passion for taking pictures of bugs come from? <laughs> well, that's an easy answer. Uh, bugs are really cool, so and when you start <laughs> looking really close at them, they get cooler. So uh, yeah, that that uh, was a passion that I when picking up a camera early in my career here at Purdue, which over thirty five years ago now. Um, yeah, it uh, just kind of flourished, and I was encouraged by colleagues, uh, not only here on campus, but throughout the Midwest, and it's kind of like, hey, let's keep going. But uh, my official title is uh, IPM Specialist, um, and uh, I've been dabbling in this field crops arena for uh, some time. And uh, yeah, I've gotten the uh, privilege of being able to see trends of insects come and go, the old roller coaster of life, if you will, uh, with certain species and uh, some. Uh, do you remember European corn borer, for example, and and so forth? So uh, anyway, I've had a lot of fun and have learned a lot over the years. Very good. Well, John, we'll have to have you on another time when we have a little bit more um, bandwidth for the conversation here. I know you are you're busily preparing for an upcoming conference, so we'll get right down to business here. Um, it's cold outside. We'd all made that remark uh, as I looked at the mesonet data for the for the different um, pack centers across the state. Uh, I'm showing. Uh, it's it's down in the single digits uh, with wind chills below zero as we're recording right now. You look at soil temperatures, uh, which is where a lot of these pests um, are inhabiting, and they're getting down below 50 degrees, below 40 degrees, but they're floating right around 30 degrees. Have we gotten cold enough to really 
make a difference in terms of the winter survival of those key agronomic pests for corn and soybean producers? Oh yeah, they're all dead. They all froze out. <laughs> Perfect. So, all right. Well, yeah, well, that's yeah, a wrap. Work. <laughs> uh, you, I, I think uh, with your laughter, you understand that. Uh, nah, they got to figure it out. They've been here a lot longer than we have. Many of them, and. Uh, you know, it's amazing their abilities. We've seen some very, very cold winters and uh, some listening will remember back in the early 70s or excuse me, the later 70s or early 80s when we had some extremely cold conditions and yet uh, the insects prevailed and they will again, even through this little cold snap. Uh, really what uh, messes the insects up more than anything is when let's say they start waking up from their winter nap that uh, then all of a sudden mother nature starts throwing at them all sorts of uh, curveballs such as uh, cold weather once again or uh, uh, huge rain events where they're essentially summer even drowned and and so forth so um, again when, when we're talking about many insects that uh, spend their life uh, under uh, leaf debris and um, uh, what snow cover there is and uh, it's amazing how they can uh, uh, adapt with their their if you will their blood basically turns into ethylene glycol uh, antifreeze and uh, they're able to of course uh, get through the coldest of periods and we've seen it time and time again so once again, I'm not too concerned about them uh, surviving and being present for next season. Matt, that's fair. So, so for folks that are looking at extended forecasts and they're wondering about integrated pest management, uh, they should they should turn their gaze perhaps more to April, May, June, and and what the weather does as opposed to January, February, and March. Is that a fair assessment, John? Absolutely. And and one other thing. I, guys that I wanted to add to this is that uh, you got to remember too where we're starting from. Uh, in other words, how many insects of a given species were there last year? And, you know, they, they don't repopulate over the winter. Uh, so in other words, they're not going to increase in number. So if they were very, very low, and I'll use corn rootworm, at least in uh, many areas of Indiana as an example, Certainly. if they're very, very low in population, well, they're going to be starting very low, even though they had a, let's say, a hundred percent survival rate, which doesn't exist. But uh, so the point being is that uh, you got to remember where we're starting from too. It's all relative. Very good. John, if you, if you humor us with one other question around that, um, where they started at, do you, do you think that the dry weather that parts of the state had late summer, well into winter this year, it have any impact on on the survivability or their starting populations as we came out of summer? Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, yeah, uh, weather extremes are harsh, uh, very hard on uh, uh, given species of insects, and uh, and yeah, we were we were seeing some struggling, if you will, uh, trying to build the numbers. Now, you know, as you mentioned, maybe uh, dry conditions. Well, if you add hot to that well of course there are certain critters such as spider mites that are going to thrive on that but uh you know but others will not and uh especially something like 
let's pick on army worm or something. That's the first one that comes into mind. They just don't do well in that condition. They need some moisture. Perfect. Perfect. No, I, I totally am tracking with what you're saying there, John. I see um, to Ben's point, if if you have a drier finish to the growing season, you got, you know, wider gaps within within the soil surface and and all insects when they're depositing their eggs, they want it to be in a favorable environment, right? They don't want to want to lay it in, you know, on beach sand. They, they're probably looking for something a little bit, you know, softer, a good place that they think that their offspring will survive. And so you got to dive a little deeper to find that soil moisture, depending on the species. And it's, it's a strategy that that different insects deploy. And so if you have a dry finish, then you're probably going to have a little bit deeper start. Is that a fair, fair conjecture? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like Ben, you mentioned, uh, for example, Japanese beetle. Uh, I did a random survey with some of my uh, key uh, uh, cooperators throughout the season, and uh, we were finding Japanese beetle numbers extremely low, uh, which, you know, normally somebody's going to complain about them. We, yeah. we didn't get much complaints about them that last year. And, uh, and, and they too, are, Ben, as you mentioned, they're the ones that are going to take advantage of crawling down in the cracks and laying their eggs and so forth. And so, you know, maybe it will hold true for next year that we just won't have as many. I know that would be many's hope anyhow. <laughs> Very good. Well, well, uh, we will go ahead, put a pin in this conversation, John. Perhaps we can pick it up at a later date where we have some more time to visit about, uh, about your contributions to the entomological world of uh, Indiana agriculture, uh, looking back on 35 years of experience and what excites you about, uh, you know, what's going on in that realm for uh, producers as they look towards 2024. But that will be a conversation for another day. So uh, with that, John, is there a good place for folks to keep up with your work besides Googling any random uh, insect and looking for a picture that has that watermark of your name um, to, to keep up with the good work you're doing? I'll tell you, um, the, the, my kind of diary, if you will, of the given growing season is all based on our pest and crop newsletter, which is available free online. And uh, most of you uh, are aware of that. And uh, that's where sometimes I'll put my little bits about what we're seeing in there. And uh, that's the best way to keep track of what's going on. And certainly my contact information is available through that as well. Perfect. That is, um, you are usually the first article in that newsletter, so uh, you, you're the you're the headliner of that act. And so, folks, don't uh, if they don't know, <laughs> go ahead, John. Oh, just saying, insects rule. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, yeah, no, great, great resource for uh, not just advisors but for producers as well um, to keep up with what's taking place in the state from an extension standpoint and pest management. So, John, I'd like to thank you for your time today. Uh, ben, if folks wanted to keep up with what's happening in West Central Southern Indiana, how may they do so? Yeah, you can find me at the at the usual spots on Twitter at the Ben Jacob and on Facebook at Ben Jacob Agronomy and maybe a comment. Um, 
you know, John, I'm looking forward to having you back for a deeper conversation to see how your career progressed to this point. Because as a father with um, you know, two boys and a young girl, there's not really any difference to the number of bugs that they pick up and you find in their pockets and everywhere. So, you know, maybe maybe I can encourage a career path out of this hobby of, of carrying random bugs around. So thank you for coming on. Where can folks find you, Carl? Uh, if people want to keep, keep up with uh, what's happening in Northwest Indiana and Northeast Illinois, they can do so on Facebook at Seajorn Agronomy or on X at Seajorn. Uh, John, any parting words for the good people in Indiana Pioneer Agronomy listening land before we let you get back to, uh, to the good work you're doing? Yeah, be safe this winter and we look forward to seeing you all in the spring and let's get the seed in the ground. Very good. Okay, with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. Looking forward to visiting with you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.